Welcome to the Pool Nation podcast, where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. We talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry. Now let's welcome your host with over a decade of industry insider experience and still the reigning champion of Marco Polo, Edgar De Jesus, and his co-host, John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and Zach the Pool Boy Nicholas. Welcome, everyone, to the Pool Nation Live podcast with myself, your host, Edgar DeJesus. And yes, I am the reigning champion of Marco Polo, along with John J.J. Flawless, the fastest netter in the West, and the famous Zach, the pool boy, Nicholas. In this episode, we're going to talk about the reasons small businesses fail. In episode 37 of our podcast, we talked about two of those reasons, knowing your profit and the lack of business planning. And today, we will dive a bit deeper into reasons three and four. We have a total of 10 reasons why, but we will be breaking them down into several podcasts. Today, we will talk about management and the importance of setting up processes to ensure you fix issues along the way and create a smooth operation. I want to welcome everyone to our live podcast, the podcast where it's all pool talk. And we ain't talking about netting and jetting or splashing and dashing. We're talking about becoming a nation of pool pros. And yes, we will talk about the latest products, trends, and training in the pool industry, but before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsors for this podcast, the Ultimate Pool Tools, the SPPA, and the PoolmanUniversity.com. We want to thank them for their continued support. Zach, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I hope everyone has had a, a good week so far. John, good morning. Wow, that was um, that was deep, <laughs> Zach. I, I was going to tease him about that, and I just... I, you, 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 could you tell Edgar was like, uh okay <laughs> i'm like i was just thinking maybe he walked maybe he's mad john because he walked home he kind of I, I don't know i don't know i think i had to do a little pre-talk this morning a little he's on his best behavior right now he's having he's having crypto issues yes oh, oh my god <laughs> she to the moon she went to the moon <laughs> So, Zach, really, that's all you got for today is, yep, good. Good morning. That's it. Good morning, Pool Nation. I hope everyone's had a great Friday, great week so far. I'm saving saving it for later. Is that what it is? Okay. Zach Zach is going to be talking a lot today, uh, which is good. And I'm I'm looking forward to hearing his insight. But I was was expecting the, I'm Batman. Remember? His little voice going a little, Batman a little voice. deep, yeah, yeah especially Batman voice, <laughs> especially now that pod being kind of fixed the mic thing, he could kind of oh, tone yes. it up a notch, huh? Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Look, I'm so excited that I'm so excited, right? Look, <laughs> I'm even singing. <laughs> I, got uh, Judd. I got my mic, I don't have to hear about anybody bitching about my sound quality, right? Saying, oh, you, don't, you don't sound very good, or you're cutting in and out or, or Edgar cursing at me when he's doing, uh, when he's doing the edit saying you're echoing John or, or this and that. So I have my mic and I feel complete this morning. So 
Yeah, I'm glad that they got that message this week because, guys, it was we were kind of going back and forth about what platform are we going to move to and all that kind of stuff. So it was kind of nice to get that and get that off of our, our our plate. So for everybody listening, we were having some issues with Podbean. Zach, John, and I had kind of done some research and we're looking, trying to figure out <clears throat> if there was going to be another platform that we could move to. But a lot of them don't have the Insta chat feature that we've kind of grown to love here on this platform. So we were really having a hard time, but we weren't really having an option. And then they fixed some of the issues that we were having problems with. And I, I think we'll test it out today, right, guys, and see if that works. Absolutely. So, absolutely. So, anyways, so, look, I, I just wanted to say, I know, sorry. No, no, go ahead. This is a long <clears throat> intro, but my daughter graduated yesterday, and I just want to tell her that I love her and that I'm so proud of her. Um, it was um, a kind of a like a bittersweet moment for us and kind of surreal. One that we were actually in the in around people, right? We were sitting next to people on bleachers, which is kind of weird, right? And for the last year and a half, it's been kind of crazy, but it was an in-person graduation, which was awesome because I mean, she's had, she's had a crazy year and she's a wonderful person. She's straight A's great. She does amazing in school and she's been kicking butt even with distance learning. And, but you know, throughout her senior year, she's gotten no senior trips. She doesn't gotten to go to prom, which is a good thing, but for me at least, and then, uh, you know, all the things that she just kind of missed out on. But uh, they pulled it together and they did an in-person graduation, which was really neat. And it was just awesome watching her walk up there. She looked beautiful and it was just so cool. We're, I mean, we're just so excited. So I just want to say, Thalia, very, very proud of you. Your dad loves you. I know I probably don't say it as much as I should, but if you are listening, which you probably are, thank you. So, John, you, you stole the my thunder because my um, shout out for today was going to be for her as well as for my daughter brianna that graduated and for all everybody that's graduated right i think it's a it's a big milestone and they've all kind of gone through that craziness of not having a full senior year and all that kind of stuff but they were able to graduate so big shout out to both of them and to everybody out there that's graduating congratulations to everybody they're they're big milestones and i think john zach you still have time your daughter's older, right? Yeah, she's nine, going to be 10 this year. So so your daughter will graduate first? Yes. Good luck with that, my friend. <laughs> it's a tough one, huh, John? It is. I'm, I'm right now, Zach is telling me that my mic is lower. I'm not sounding too good. So I'm sitting here fiddling with it, trying to trying to get it up. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, I think Zach's just screwing with me. Thanks, He's Zach. just messing with you. So, so Zach, you got plenty of time, so you're good. Guys, this week's been a crazy week, but a great week. I was out this week with Matthew Thomas from Jandy shooting some videos, and we're going to put those out soon. And Wednesday, I was out with Hasa Dave, and a big shout out to Logan from A-Quality Pools out in North Richland Hills out here in Texas for helping us shoot the videos and getting the location and the customer. We were shooting some videos for that new liquidator that we've been talking about. Look, Edgar. If you're going to brag about shooting videos with Hasa, I suggest you know the name of the new liquidator. Terry and Dave are listening. They're going to call you out. It's not the liquidator. It's the HLF, right? <laughs> Hasa liquid feeder. 
You know, it's funny, John, you're, you're calling me out on this one. And when I was doing the videos with Dave, he must have corrected me probably about 10 times on it. And he kept telling me, it's not the liquidator, Edgar, it's the HLF. I'm going to apologize right now because I know that I'm probably going to call it the liquidator for the next 50 times until I get used to it. But well, they got to be used to it if you think about it. Cause you know, every time we say, Oh, liquid chlorine and they're like, oh, it's not liquid chlorine. It's bleach. <laughs> not liquid. You know, <laughs> liquid chlorine. It's not liquid chlorine. <laughs> you know, but you know, we just get so accustomed to something and technically it liquidator part two or, you know, or the new improved. But uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's hard to unlearn things, right? We say this a million times. The hardest part about learning is unlearning. Learn something one way. It's it's tough to to overcome it. So I feel you on that because I call it the liquidator all the time too. I think on the on the live that we did right this Wednesday, I was calling it the liquidator too. So <laughs> we would sit there and we would do a little intro, and he would be like, "Okay, J Edgar, it's the HLF," and I would start and I would go right through it, and he was a, like the liquidator, and he would like turn and look at me like, "Did we just not talk about this?" <laughs> well, you know, you know, they call it the HLF. It, to me, it sounds like they're talking about a heater part or something when you say it's the HLF. Right. So I'm like, oh, really? So I don't know. I think the liquidator is better. So I, I think we should we should continue with the liquidator. We just we we just take over and we just call it the liquidator. Yep. Just keep uh -huh. just 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 keep going. Just keep chugging. Right. No stopping. <laughs> it's the liquidator too. Let's see how they take that. We'll probably get a message from Terry. Be like, uh, guys, uh, HLF, please. Let's yeah. not. So, anyways, guys, this thing is super easy to install. And what I like about it is everything on the unit is assembled. And literally, all you have to do is connect the hoses, and they're super easy to install. And then it has the two little float valves, and you literally just like click them in there, almost like if you're putting a, a net on a on a pole, right? That that same clip assembly, you just kind of clip them in like that, and you're done. And what I really love about it is they put everything in there. So all you need is a drill with a 17 inch drill bit and a wrench. That's it. Everything else is included in there. And it's super easy. It holds up to eight gallons of chlorine. But what we did is we put four gallons and that should last about a month. You know, think about it. That's just one gallon per week that will feed your pool and keep feeding that pool the chlorine while you're not there. So that I, I just love it. My question on it is, what is the maintenance on that? Do we know what little things we'll have to be monitoring and taking care of on a regular basis? So I think that's something that we're really going to have to look at by testing it and putting it out there to kind of get the real picture and figure out what the maintenance for it is going to be. And so for some of you guys that hold the roller cams and stuff like that, you know that that's kind of a little bit of an issue of having to clean the lines and all that kind of stuff. So this one mixes a little bit with water. But Zach, I think it's it's one of those where you just kind of need to put it out there and let it you know battle test it a little bit. But I think there's two things here with this product that we still need to watch for. And one is exactly that, Zach, what you just asked about is what is the maintenance going to look like? And I think two is the price. I think this product has a great chance to become something big. But I think that is going to be dependent on the price point that they come in at. And we don't know what our pool guy price is going to be yet. But to me personally, I think that if they come in too high it's really going to kill the true potential to penetrate the market because you know we need to turn around and sell that to a customer. So to me, if they really want to have a great market penetration, especially in the conditions that we're in, 
that's going to be a big factor to their success with the product right now. So at what point do you think they'll hit that rate regret that we're talking about? You know, I don't know because I don't know what their cost is on the product. And obviously that makes it a little bit hard to be able to, to figure it out. When we talk, we always try to look at both sides, right? We talk about the manufacturer side and we talk about the pool guy side. And we have to realize that manufacturers are in it to, to make money, right? That's kind of why they're here. And they need to do what's best for them as a business to make money. I'm just thinking of it a little bit different. And that is that it's a really prime potential for this product under this market conditions. We have the lack of tabs or the high cost of tabs and dry chlorine. And they're prime right now to really have some great market penetration. And I don't think that there's another product that's in a position like this on the market because it's not another pump. It's not another heater. It's kind of a unique product and everything is in their favor. There's a, there's a lack of chlorine, of the dry chlorine and the tabs. Now that has made it so there's a big, huge awareness of the CYA issue. So I think, it, I think they're really primed to be able to make some penetration and take that market share away from the other products. So, John, can you think of any other product that has this opportunity right now? I mean, what do you think about it? To be 100% honest here, I think the stars have completely aligned for Hassa, And you nailed it when you came down to those points. We got tabs, dry chlorine or dry, you know, any, any dry chemicals. Everything is skyrocketing in price. We're talking about double, triple the price, and they're only going to go higher. And not only are the prices going higher, which makes it worse, is that you just can't get a hold of it. So when you can't get a hold of it, you have to... So it's price isn't even an issue anymore. It's more of availability. And, you know, we've spoken to Terry and we've spoken to Hassa and liquid chlorine is not an immediate shortage and they have it and they're delivering it and they're using it. And what opportunity do, uh, what, what a perfect opportunity for them to capitalize on it and what a perfect time to release something like this, uh, liquidator too. I, I, it's just, it's really a no brainer. And um, it not only do you have now liquid and the one problem about adding liquid into a pool or the or the pushback we get. And the reason why people use tabs is because it's easy. You can throw a tab into a pool and then now you're chlorinating the pool slowly throughout the week. But we all know what the downfalls and the pitfalls are of having CYA in your pool and at what cost, you know, throwing tabs into a floater. So introducing or having something like the liquidator, you're essentially doing the same exact thing, but you're not having any of those negative side effects. So if you're able to feed liquid, which is, I personally think is the best way to, to sanitize your pool or to treat your pools with liquid chlorine, that's what we like to use. But the problem is we're only there once a week and there's pros and cons. And, and unless you're there more often, sometimes it's hard, especially at summertime, you know, it's 120 degrees out here. doesn't matter what all, all the conditions are perfect in my pool. If I'm just adding a gallon of chlorine or half a gallon of chlorine in that pool, it's not going to last more than a few days. And if you're only going to be there every seven days, what's happening? Your pool's zeroed out and a lot of gnarly things happen. So you create an unsafe environment for your swimmers and the pool doesn't look great. And then you're dealing with a bunch of issues. So being able to have something that can constantly feed your pool liquid chlorine is a win-win. And I think 
I think you nailed it. If they come out with a respectable price point so that um, it makes it easier for um, the masses to jump on board with this, I think they already nailed the easy to install portion because, you know, not everybody who's in, in everybody who services pools uses chlorine, but not everybody who services pools does repairs or, you know, they do installs or they're handy. So I think Hasa knocked it out of the park as far as setting you up for success when it comes down to installing this product. They made it very easy and I think anybody can do it. So that they t- that concern is taken uh, taken out the window. But if it's affordable for them, because at the end of the day, yes, it's great for your pools and for your client to have a lower amount of chlorine in there. But the honest reality is, it's the the liquidator is really meant for us service guys and gals. You know, you put a salt system into a pool to benefit for the client and to benefit for you because now you have now you have an income source because one, you're not using as much chlorine. And two, you're also cleaning salt cells and charging and stuff like that. You add this liquidator onto a pad, only real per, it's, it's hard. You have to sell it to them and tell them, you know, a client's going to look at it and go, okay, you, you want to sell me this item to put it in there so that we can do it, but it's going to cost me a thousand dollars and all it is is going to make your job a little bit easier because uh, you don't have to add as much chlorine or you don't have to be here as often. So I think price point is going to be a huge factor in it. And if they come in respectable, I think it's just going to just take off. So that's my, my insight on it. Yeah. Zach, I sit here and I kind of try to geek out from the, from the business strategy standpoint. And again, I'm not Hasa by any means, but I sit back and I kind of try to think to see what those meetings are like and what those conversations are like with regards to this product and trying to get the market penetration and all that. What, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, I think it's a really tough conversation because I can relate it to when we had a retail store, right? And our whole idea was like volume and basically penetrating the DIY market in our area. And so the natural instinct is to lower pricing to try to uh, drive in a bunch of business and then, you know, you get your money on your volume, but didn't necessarily work that way. So you have to be careful if they come in too low and they don't have that market penetration, then it can definitely negatively impact them. What I will say, though, is that it's always easier. I was going to say it's always easier to raise prices, but that's completely backwards. It's always easier to lower pricing. Um, So, yeah, no, I mean, that's a real tough, a tough conversation to have because you have to be careful and they don't want to jump the gun and go too low. And then at the same time, jump the gun and go too high and then have absolutely no market penetration. The, the truth is this, and you got to think about it, it by using just imagine or, or just think about how much liquid chlorine is wasted every single week on a pool because we overdose it or we add more than what the pool really needs. In my mind, I'm, I think I'm changing my thought process on this and thinking, OK, well, you know, it is going to save the pool guy or pool girl money because you go to your pool and then you're adding a gallon of chlorine into it and you're popping it up to 12 or whatever, 10 parts per million of chlorine, or you're popping up to seven parts per million of chlorine. You have 30 parts per million of CYA in there or 50. Technically you can, the ratio is for every 10 parts per million of CYA, it holds one part per million of chlorine, right? So you have 50, you can hold five parts, but if you add anything above it, it's just unprotected. It's going to get burned off. So the reality is a lot of chlorine is being wasted and overused in pools. So by having the liquidator 
and using it that way, you're actually saving money on chlorine. So I, I think I might just in just within this five, 10 minutes of us talking, I think I might backtrack a little bit on what I said. And I think that maybe, it, you know, it, it really is worth whatever price as long as it's not ridiculous because just think about the money you're going to be saving on chlorine because you're not overdosing your pool. Yeah. I, I sit and I think about it from the, from the other standpoint, and that is, what is the market penetration? How many how many guys can they flip from using tabs and trichlor and dichlor and yep. flip them over to to liquid chlorine users? And the thing is, you know, we're we're creatures of habit. So we get used to something and it's exactly what you were saying, John, it's kind of unlearning. And so it becomes very difficult to make a transition from dry chlorine because you've used that dry chlorine, you know how much to add to the pools, you kind of get the feeling, you kind of get the measurements down and all that. Now you're having to unlearn all that. Now you're having to go to liquid chlorine. But it's prime for them. I mean, for them to be able to flip a lot of pool guys and have them start using liquid the market conditions are prime and this product is prime. So it would be an interesting thought process, John, to think of, you know, how can we figure out how much, you know, pool guys are using and what the over usage is versus how much market penetration we can have. So see, just in this conversation alone, we've kind of taken it in all different directions, but that's what I, that's what I love about it. I mean, it's good. And it's all real talk. I mean, these are the things that we should, we should all be thinking about and kind of goes hand in hand with what, you know, basically every podcast and everything that we do as far as like trainings, lives, podcasts, in this podcast, too, we're going to be talking about planning business. And these are the things you have to do. You have to put your business hat on. You're a business owner. And these are the types of things you need to take into consideration. You can't just jump on the bandwagon or just decide and do something and not understand what the consequences are or what can happen or what could happen or what won't happen. So this is great. This is what we, this is exactly what we're trying to preach to everybody is that every decision you make, you have to take, you can't take it lightly and you need to put some thought and effort into it. And when you put thought and effort into whatever you decide to do as a company is when you start to see real results and you're able to keep score basically. And, you know, winners keep score. If you don't talk about these things and if you don't see how they affect them and you don't pencil down the bottom line, then. Really, what are you doing? You're just wandering aimlessly around, hope, hoping that you find water. My question to both of you is, let's say that this product does kind of take over, right? Or it gets very popular and, and kind of the, you, they see success with this product. Do you think that you would see other people kind of try to imitate it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Why, why wouldn't they? Let's say, for instance, like Rolochem, right? So they have, I mean, they have the market down for like the commercial versions and stuff like that. and there's a lot of pool guys and gals out there that are believers in the roller cam and using them and they use them for outside applications and the residential area. But, you know, they have their they have their downfalls, you know, and there's a lot of issues as far as like how well they hold up against the elements. And I think if they if they see something like this, the liquidator, or the HLM or whatever we want to call it. HLF. HLF. <laughs> <laughs> HLFC. Oh HLS. man, we're gonna get burned. <laughs> I'm I'm thinking HLS. So, anyways, you know, I can definitely see it. I could see somebody coming out and doing something else. And Rollercam, like for instance, they're already 
they're starting to watch and they come out with newer parts that are more UV resistant and that'll hold up better. And, you know, you got, you have the IntelliChem scene, right? Which I think has been out for a little while, but I think is picking up a little bit of steam too. I could see Jandy and, you know, Hayward already has their sense and dispense. You know, these are the types of things that is the future and being able to have something as, you know, you don't have to get so complicated with it. Like as far as, you know, automation, you know, with the sense and dispense and with the IntelliChem, it takes a little bit more effort or understanding and repair knowledge or know-how in order to properly use it and to maintain it and make sure it's functioning correctly. And it's a lot more expensive, whereas something is simple but so effective like the, the liquidator, I think more people might be jumping on the bandwagon if this is a success, and I think it will be. I think there's a couple other things to it too, John. So there's no power that you have to worry about. So you don't have to worry about, you know, I need some power to be able to, to operate this. And then I always look at it and I know it probably drives you guys a little bit crazy, but I'm always thinking of the guy that started two weeks ago and has no idea how to do these things. And for them to be able to watch a quick video and see how easy it is to install is a huge thing. And and the fact that they put everything into this package that you don't need to even go, you know, buy the tap for it is is just it's great. Everything's there. It doesn't require power. So somebody that's kind of newer that has some good skill is going to be able to put these in pretty effortlessly. And then the other thing is if they come in obviously at the at the right price point, states like California you don't need to be a contractor or license to be able to put these in because you're going to fall with lower than, than that price point based on how they come in. But uh, I see great potential for this thing. And it kind of gets me excited because then I start talking from the business side and strategy and all that kind of stuff. So I think it has the opportunity. And like you said, John, like all the stars have, have lined up. So anyways, I'm excited to kind of see it and see how it goes and see how that plays. So yeah, look, and I want to put a disclaimer out and I want to say this because we usually don't talk a lot about products. You know, that's not our gig. That's not our here. thing. Yeah. We're not here advertising and you know, we got nothing. Hasa isn't paying us to to sit here and jibber jabber about this product. We're just saying that we think this is a huge deal for the industry. And our whole purpose is to better everybody that's out there and everybody, you know, who's listening to us and make every single pool professional or pool guy or gal a professional and try to make them a little better at what they do and make their jobs a little bit easier. And if this is as good as it seems to be, then this can be a game changer for everybody. Because look, at the end of the day, the biggest problem anybody has with the pool is when it zeroes out, right? And if we can eliminate that however we can, and we can easily and safely sanitize a pool without having to jump through hoops, 80% of all your problems are resolved if you can just keep that chlorine level up in that pool. So we think this is a good product, and that's why we're talking about it. I can't and, wait to get my hands on one. And John, there's still things that we need to figure out, and that's why I, I kind of talked about the two points on this thing, is this is a new product that's coming out. It still needs to be a little battle-tested, because a guy like Zach that would look at it and maybe go, oh, well, you know, gosh, it's a great product, all that kind of stuff. But if it's high-maintenance... It probably won't work for you, Zach, because, you know, you have guys that are doing work and you can't stop them from servicing a pool or taking care of a customer to now on a constant basis have to maintain this piece of equipment to work for you. So well, I, I think I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, I mean, you know, that's always my first question. It's always my first question. What is the maintenance on it? And like John was saying, there's all these amazing things out there to try to automate your pool system, automate your chemistry, automate your monitoring. And it's all great, but I kind of struggle with a lot of it because I feel like it's still in its infancy. A lot of it has these high maintenance demands. You have to clean sensors regularly or you start getting misreadings, misdosing, um, things like that. Like a lot of these monitoring things that are out there and available, they don't communicate with each other and they all have their maintenance things. So I kind of tend to step back on the, let's keep it a little simpler until we start to see all of it tie itself together until we start to see some of the maintenance pieces, you know, become easier and less you know, less work that we have to do because you're exactly right. Like I can't have my team out there constantly dealing with these and then constantly fighting the problems that come from not holding to that maintenance program on these items. So I personally like the the liquidator. I'm talking the original one. I installed one, super simple, super basic, no problems so far. So it'll be interesting to see what this one's like. Yeah, absolutely. So guys, you know, it's we think it's a great product, but it still needs to be battle tested. We still need to get it out there. We still need to test it, make sure that there's no issues that we don't know about, you know, and it could be anything, right? The spin wheel or it could be any of that kind of stuff. But anyways, when we talk about potential for product, we kind of get a little excited and geeked out because they're they're in a prime situation. All right, guys, let's move on because we kind of got a little sidetracked with that conversation. And John, I am going to say thank you for last week. I got so many messages on that happy birthday song. And I was shooting the video on Wednesday. I said, oh, my God, you have to you know, listen to this clip. And so I start playing the clip and the homeowner was there. Oh, no. And, and he's the homeowner sitting there and he's kind of standing by his side, just kind of like listening from the side. And then Dave just starts cracking up so hard and we're busting up and stuff like that. And all of a sudden the customer's like, hey, what is that? And we're like, oh, you know, it's a podcast that we do, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like, oh my God, that's freaking awesome. And he's like, he wanted to download it to listen to it. And I'm like, you know, it's really not a comedy yeah, podcast. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's just a pool, boring podcast thing. And he's like, I don't care, dude. Tell me which one it is. I'm going to download that. That's freaking hilarious. And then he turns around to me and he goes, Hey, did his wife get mad? And I'm like, nope. She was the one that gave me permission. And homeboy was just cracking up. It was it was hilarious. Yeah, that was that was actually too funny. Super. I mean, I, I probably they were talking about it for like two three days afterwards. I couldn't stop hearing it from everybody. It was awesome. <laughs> and so look, this is it was so funny. And I'm actually gonna I'm making an executive decision here. All right, we need to do one for Zach's anniversary. So Edgar. Cue the song. <laughs> oh, Zach, you're going to kill me. Are, are you ready, Zach? Because we, we did one for your anniversary. No. <laughs> no. Are, are you ready? No, 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 no. I'm kidding. Listen, listen, guys, I didn't get permission from Leslie, so I'm not going to go there. I really don't want her to, you know, kick my you know what. So uh, I'm kind of I'm kind of a little afraid of Leslie. So unless I get permission, I wouldn't do that, John. <laughs> right. Good move. So, yeah, smart move. So, Leslie, I'll be sending you a message for the anniversary for next week. So just kind of segue into that one. So, hey, guys, before we get started talking about our podcast, want to talk really quick about the date for our next training that we're going to be doing, and that's going to be on June 26th. And that's the one that we do for the financial training. 
And that's the one that gives you the five business metrics that help you understand how well your business is doing. And so just really quickly, we kind of go through and create those business metrics. We talk about the common reasons why small businesses fail. We talk about your billing. We kind of get into the financial side of accounting and we talk about, you know, cash flow. We talk about profit and loss. You actually build your own profit and loss as you go through this. And by the time that you're done with the class, you will end with exactly how much money your business is making. But more importantly than that is from the service side alone, how much money you're making, how much your business eats up out of your profit to just be able to service those pools. And now we added a repair side to it. So anyways, that's all on June 26th. And we're going to do that one. And then we're probably not going to do one for a couple months because everybody's really busy. So if you're interested, you can go to one of two places, poolnation.online website has all the information. Click, you'll be able to register from there. Or you can go to the poolnationpodcast.com and there's a link up at the top that you guys can click and register from there. So that's June 26th. It's a five-hour class. So there is some homework that you need to do. So anyways, that's June 26th. So guys, in episode 37 of the Pool Nation podcast, we talked about some of the reasons why small businesses fail. And today we have part two of that. And that is what we want to cover today. Zach, John, today I want to talk about the top four reasons that causes small businesses to fail. And in that episode 37, we talked about the financial side and want to see if you agree that the lack of financial knowledge is number one. I kind of put number one on my list for the top reasons why small businesses fail. Look, I'm probably going to say this until I'm blue in the face. But to me, this is the biggest business killer out there. And I won't go too deep into it because we've talked about it in that episode. But there's such a disconnect between the small owner and the knowledge of their financials and how it works. It just puts a lot of those businesses out of business because if you don't keep your eye on the prize, right? You've heard that before. Keep your eye on the prize. If you don't, if you don't know where you're going, you're never going to get there because you don't know where you're going. And if you don't have a knowledge or a deep understanding of the reason why you're in business, right? Let's, none of us are, this isn't a charity. We talk about this. This isn't a hobby. We're in business to make money so that we can support our families. And in order to do that, you need to be good at what you do and you need to be successful at what you do. And the metrics and we're breaking it down real simple here. You have to just understand the dollars and the dollars is what feeds the business and money in, money out. If you don't have an understanding of it, um, it, it'll, it'll only last for so long and eventually it'll catch up to you. So I think it is definitely uh, the number one reason why more uh, than the most important thing that you need to look at as a business owner is your financials. Yeah, John, I'm going to agree 100% with you. I think that just number one on my list. It's simple, guys and girls. If you don't know your numbers and you don't know the cost of your service and the cost of your repairs, you're just kind of flying blind. And my number one piece of advice, John Zach, from now on is going to be for anybody that wants a business advice is know your numbers. And it doesn't matter if you're in pools or in your any into any industry, you have to you know know those numbers. So Zach, let me ask you this: Would you say for you that that same thing is number one on your list? Yeah, absolutely. This is my number one because I've been through it and I continue to go through it. And I don't mean that as in like I've completely figured out the financial piece. I mean that as in every day I'm still working on learning more about the finances. 
And it's one of those things that as you continue to grow as a business, the number of things that you need to understand about the finances continue to grow. And to take that a little further, you don't just learn these things, look at them once a year and call it a day. You now have to track and measure these things on a regular basis and understand what they're telling you about your business. And recently, I gave an example from a book that I had read about flying an airplane without gauges. And if you do that, you're going to crash. or You're going to take your company completely off course and somewhere you didn't intend. Yeah. So guys, for us, number one on the list is, you know, obviously learning your finances. We kind of talked about that on, on, on episode 37. So we won't go too deep into it. So now let's talk about what number two is to me. And I want to see Zach and John, if you guys agree with me. And I would say that number two on my list would be business planning or better yet, inefficient business planning. And that might be a better way to kind of describe it. I think you need a clear description of your business and the current and future needs of your business. And I think that you need to have something that tells you what you're doing now and what you're going to do in the, in the future. And Zach, this is one of, the thing, one of the things that I love about you. And you're always kind of focusing on this. And you're always talking about, don't just think of where you are now but where you want to be in the future, because this plays a big part into that business planning. And, you know, you always have that plan and you always have that vision that you're going to look at where you're going to grow. And that, and that allows you to kind of create that, you know, that, that planning, that business plan to where you're going to go. And the problem is, I think a lot of us, when we start our small businesses and stuff like that, we don't think about that. And we just kind of think, oh, well, I'll wing it and I'll figure it out as I go along. And I'm not saying that that doesn't work. There's some people that kind of wing it and are successful. But for those that survive, it makes it a lot harder for them to be able to function well. Zach, what are your thoughts on this? And would this be number two on your list for the pool boys? Yeah, and this is super important. And I can sit here and confidently tell everyone how important this is because I didn't do this for years. You know, in the beginning, the vision was super easy. It was do work, get paid, buy mansions, Lamborghinis, and travel the world. It's simple, right? And Justin and I were definitely winging it. And it wasn't until we started to see real growth, but at the same time as experiencing that real growth, we didn't have real financial gains from it. So we kept reaching this point where we would stop and we would ask ourselves the question, what are we doing here? And then what would happen is we'd sit down, we'd make some adjustments to the business, and then we'd move on. And then the growth would continue for a year or two. And then we'd reach that point again, and we would stop and ask that question again, what are we doing here? We'd make some more changes and continue on with the growth. And we continued to repeat this process. Now, I mean, one fun fact about me, I think most people know, is that I love to learn about business. So all through the years, I have taken different classes. I've attended different seminars. I've listened to different books. And I've talked to a lot of smart people who know way more than I could ever know about these things. And the one thing that has been a common topic through it all is, what is your vision? Or what are your goals? What is your one-year goal? What is your five-year goal? And so on. So as time went on and we started, you know, starting families and kept hearing about this idea of having goals and a vision over and over, it started to click and make sense. You have to have a vision or a plan for where you want to take your business. And you also need to have a plan for what you want to get out of your business. 
Without a vision, you don't have a target or a direction to head in and you'll chase your tail until you finally get tired and burn out. And, and that's just my opinion, but I think it's very real. And John, what are your thoughts on this one? Would you put it at number two? Yeah, so you kind of tied it in nicely. My, my number two is goals. Planning is goals. So look, our business, right? We talk about we need to make money, right? Whatever, you have to have a goal. And what is the purpose of your business? And what are you trying to accomplish and how are you going to get there? And in order to get there and how you're going to get there is that planning portion of it. So I think it falls hand in or it's, it's, it goes hand in hand, planning and goals. But you need to, you have to set up attainable goals in your business. Otherwise, you're literally, you're just, like I said it before, you're just wandering aimlessly or you're just flying by the seat of your pants and you're just going with the flow. And Edgar made a point and said that some people are successful at that. Oh, I think some people are lucky when, when that happens. You know, there's people that are lucky and things just happen for them. And, you know, they can not have a plan, not have goals, and they just were at the right place at the right time. Or they have just a lot of God-given talent and they just happen to be really great at it. And they were, and they became successful. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they were as successful. I guarantee you they're not as successful as they could have been or as they should be, because if they had a plan or they had direction, then they would be that much more successful because the whole purpose of planning and coming up with goals is you need to be able to harness the energy that you have and you need to get laser focused. It's like the saying, you know, you're either a a jack of all trades and a master of none. Well, you can exert a lot of energy in a lot of different places, but you're not going to get a hundred percent of you or a hundred percent of your commitment on a certain task because you're spread so thin or you're trying to do everything at once and you think you can handle this and handle that and do all this. If you set up a goal and you focus all your energy in it, well, in logic is that the more effort you put into something and the more you pay attention to something, and the more knowledge you have in that area or the harder you try, the you're going to be more successful at it. So I think goals is number two. And in order to obtain those goals, you need to have a plan. And it doesn't necessarily have to be the best plan or it doesn't have to be the right plan. You know, these things, you, you write plans down in pencil. Those change. You have your goals and your job is to figure out how to get there. And sometimes you have to make adjustments, but having that plan is super critical. And as you grow and as you get closer to that goal, you start to discover and you become wiser and you learn new things or you understand something that you didn't understand before. And then you're able to tweak that so that you can get a little bit closer because you're not veering off of course. So I think number two for me is setting the right goals. And then coming up with an actionable plan so that you can obtain those goals. And I want to emphasize again that the goals that you set need to be realistic. Like Zach was saying, Lambos, Dubai, right? I'm going to buy this. You know, that's great. End game. That's what you want. It feels great to dream. But it's human nature to be disappointed when you don't obtain something you're trying or when you don't get something that you want. So if you set a, an aggressive or a super aggressive goal, or something that is very hard to obtain, you're only setting yourself up for failure. So you need to take baby steps is my is the one caveat when it comes down to goals that I think everybody should really, really listen to is and whatever it is, is if is it that I want right now I have 10 service accounts 
and I want to grow to, uh, I want to double my size in six months or in a year. But if you've been in business for a year and you have 10 service accounts and you say, okay, well, I want to have 10, I want to get 10 more service accounts by the end of this month. Well, that's unobtainable in reality. It can happen. You can get lucky, but chances are you're probably not. If you've been doing this for about a year and you've only gained about 10 clients, if you want to become aggressive, then you can say, okay, well, let me move up my goal. If it was me, I would say, let me grab another 10 more clients in six months opposed to 10 clients in a year. And that's an aggressive goal, but it's an obtainable goal. And then you come up with the plan and figure out how you need to get to that goal. And if you do that and you start winning, it feels good and it's motivating. It's self-motivating. It, it lights that fire up and it gets you feeling good. You know, everybody wants to get the attaboy or that atta girl or that high five or feel great that you actually, this is what I wanted to do. Or, hey, I got 10 accounts in five months now. And then now you're up to 20 and then you can figure out and then you move up from there. Or it could be that I want to learn how to install a pump or, you know, I want to, let me go back, backtrack a little bit as far as like plans and why it's important to have a plan. So you had 10 customers and you, you're growing and you've had them for a year and you want to obtain and you want to get another 10 customers in six months and you come up with a plan. How am I going to get that plan? Well, first and foremost, people think, okay, well, I can advertise or I can spend money. Well, when you have 10 accounts, you might not have the money right now to invest. And just even a few hundred dollars could be a lot of money for you right now. But you can take other actions, right, that can help increase that. And one of the things would be like, hey, look, I'm going to make sure that every time my phone rings, I'm going to answer it under all circumstances. Or anytime my phone rings and or I get a message, I'm going to call them back within five minutes. Or anytime I get a message on Yelp, I'm going to make sure that my response time is under 15 minutes. Or anytime I speak to a customer or a client and I've done, uh, you know, I've done a great job or I know I've done a great job, I'm going to ask if they can take the time to review me and little things like that. And those are plans that you take to get to your goal because you can't just throw goals out there and, ex and do the same thing that you've been doing and expect to get that result. What's really important is goals in my mind and then the plan or the journey there. And then also understanding that that journey and that plan, if it doesn't work, it can change. You don't have to stick with it because this is a learning process. And if it doesn't work out, then make adjustments as necessary so you can get to that goal. And if you hit that goal a little sooner than, than expected, Next time you do it, make it a little bit more aggressive and more aggressive until you can push yourself to the limit. And I think one of the things that's important, guys, is that you guys actually get out there and just grab a notebook, write these things down. And I know a lot of times you think, oh, it's kind of stupid. Why am I going to write it down on a piece of paper so I can look at it later? But you'd be surprised how many times you forget about those small things that you could be doing. So the goal is the practice and put it into play, write those goals down. The more you write them down, the more you see them, the more you're going to put them into play. So sometimes it might seem dumb for you to kind of write something down. And like John was saying, pick up 10 pools. But if you're busy throughout the summer, you're going to come back and look at it and go, oh my God, that was my goal. And it could be with whatever. And John, you had a great one, which was, you know, I'm going to learn how to install this pump, right? By the end of summer or whatever. And then you, 
you you don't write it down. You get busy and you forget about it. And then when the end of the summer comes, you're like, oh my God, I, I remember that I was going to do that or I wanted to do that and I didn't do that. So that's why, you know, setting up those goals and doing that is so important. And John, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, putting the business plan part of it, but really kind of tying those goals in there is key. So guys, we're going to jump into number three and number four. Let's take a word from our sponsors, John, Zach. When we come back, we will jump into the next two. The SPPA is dedicated to the niche general liability insurance needs of pool and spa professionals. As industry leaders, we'll fight for you, protect you, and be there for you. We provide extraordinary service before and after the membership and insurance is in effect. Insured members of the program get the best customer support and have peace of mind that their alliance is their voice and always fighting for their program and insurance needs. We proudly insure thousands of pool and spa professionals across the United States. With over 30 years encompassing the pool and spa industry, we know the needs of pool and spa professionals. Through the SPPA program, there are three tailored and customized general liability insurance options to pick from. For more information on our programs and insurance options, visit our site at www.thesppa.com. The sound of you continually pitching pool care poles into the trash. The sound of you using an Ultimate Pool Tools carbon fiber pool care pole for years to come. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Do you know the actual cost of the pool service you provide or the financial health of your pool business? If you don't, it can put you out of business. Pool Nation has created a business training that focuses on the financial side of your business. What we've done, guys, is we've put a training class together that focuses on five metrics that we've created. The goal is you do it, and by the time that you're done with the class, you have all those numbers, you have all that data. It is the only course that as you enter your data into our exclusive software, it will tell you how much money you are making or losing. It's that simple. We talk about the metrics. We talk about insurance, what to look for. We talk about billing software. By the time you are done with the training, you will know your exact cost to service a pool, fixed cost of cleaning, your average profit per pool, your average monthly rate, repair profits and profit percentage, and how much money you are actually making. And we have had people that have taken the class and had some cash flow issues and they've made some adjustments with their billing software and that's kind of solved that issue. During the training utilizing our software, you will create your business profit and loss. Once you create your P&L, we will cover the fundamentals of the P&L and how important it is to the success of your business. For more information and the next training dates, visit www.poolnation.online. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you get to keep. For more training dates, go to www.poolnation.online. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking reasons why small businesses fail. And I want to say to everybody out there that's on the Insta chat, they're kind of quiet today, right? John, Zach? Yeah, I think because they're out there hustling. They're out there doing their thing. But I, I know they're out there listening. I think Joel just said he's he's loving it right now. Yeah. So listen, all you guys on the Insta chat out there, and I'm going to give you guys a shout out because we have a 
the core people that are always with us every Friday. And Joel's always out, out there. Arch, Maria, Legacy, Jeanette, Breakfield, Oasis. We've got we got a couple of people. Uh, Colton James. We have a couple of people that don't have their name. So they're just kind of a, a whole bunch of numbers. So PGB9E8067. <laughs> Big shout out to you too. So unfortunately, we don't know who you are, so we can't kind of give you a shout out here. But guys, thanks so much for always listening and joining us and having some fun with us on these podcasts. So let's jump into number three. And the reason that small businesses fail number three, I think, John, I think I would probably put it at maybe management and What I mean by that is when we go into business and start our small businesses, we are the utmost expert, right? So everybody looks at us as the business owner, as the one that has all the knowledge. And so we automatically, because we're the business owner, we have to have that management experience, right? We have to be management experts. And we don't always have a lot of experience in management And we might have a lot of the tools and the traits of being a business owner, but sometimes this is one that's lacking from our tool bag, and it really can do a damage to a growing business. You know, I know a lot of pool guys that are amazing pool guys, great personalities and great with customers, and they've tried to hire people, and then it just doesn't work out for them. But it's mainly because of the lack of management experience. And that, like everything else, is something that you go out and you learn, like the numbers and the business planning and the goals and all that. If you're a pool guy that is going from pool guy to pool company, and you hire people that don't have management experience in the areas that management experience is required, then that can kind of even make it worse, right? We don't have that experience on uh, from the management of hiring the right people, looking for the right things. And that can really do some damage to a growing business. So, you know, Zach, I'm going to ask you because obviously you've kind of grown into the business company, but when you started your business, did you think that management experience was going to be this big of a focus? And do you agree with this? Maybe, maybe this is not something that's on your list. I never even slightly considered the fact that I would have to, at some point, put a manager hat on in my career. Again, for me and Justin in the beginning, it was very simple. It was we go out, we work, we collect money for that work, we get paid, and then we spend that money on fancy things. And, you know, eventually we would find other people that would come and be just like us and they would want to work, they would want to get paid, and then they would want to ride in my Lambo. And that's not the reality. I mean, you really have to learn how to work with all different types of people and with that have all different types of personalities and different types of motivations. And, you know, if I've mentioned material things, because in the beginning, that's where it was for me and Justin, there are a lot of people that could care less about material things. And their motivation may just be to have a steady job with steady pay and have weekends off so they can spend the weekends fishing or going to sporting events or doing stuff with their, their family. And a big part of this management thing that everyone will learn as they grow their businesses is that you have to be the example. You must be the professional. You must keep your emotions in check. You must be strategic and tactful in the ways you work with your team. And I'm learning all of these things as we speak. And many of you listening have probably had more experience with these things than I have. 
And this is just my take on it. And by the way, something I forgot to mention when we talk about this management piece is that you also need to be able to manage your customers. So this crosses over not only from employees and managing a team, but also into managing your customers as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a huge, great point. John, what are your thoughts on this one as, as a number three? I agree 100%. And, you know, management can kind of go, when you hear management, you initially want to think, okay, employees, but management is not necessarily just when you have employees. And I want to kind of touch on both. Management means just managing your business, right? And all the things we're kind of talking about, managing your time and, and, and what you need to do. But as far as like employee-wise, and Zach hit it, the biggest downfall we have as business owners, especially when we're trying to bring on employees into our circle or into our business, or you make that decision to hire a new employee, the biggest issue everybody has is how do you get somebody to have just as much buy-in or just as much dedication to you who has nothing, who really doesn't benefit or doesn't own or doesn't have the same skin in the game? And that's the toughest thing a manager can do, right? Or, and we've talked about it in past podcasts where the difference between managing people and leading people and how you need to approach it and how each person's a little bit different and what makes them tick. Zach said about, you know, sometimes people, it's not material things like money. Sometimes it's just listening to them when they have, when they have problems, or sometimes it's making sure that they have that day off that they need to have off or when family's in town or they're able, or maybe it's um, employee outings or whatever. It's finding a way to be able to motivate the people that work for you so that they give almost as much or nearly as much as you do. And I think it's probably one of the most difficult things you have um, as a business owner is finding good people. And the truth is that the majority of business owners, and I hear from everybody, and I've said it before myself too, is there's just not good enough employees out there, or I just can't find any great workers, or everybody I have turns out to be shit, or whatever. I really think that the majority of the issue is us as business owners or as managers. I think we fail to understand, and we're too caught up in the minutia and in the the day-to-day business hustle that we have to do with and all the things we got to deal with and stuff like that, that we don't take the time to understand what our people's needs are. And if you don't get, or if you don't understand what they are, you're never going to motivate them. And if you're never going to, if you're not going to motivate them, then they're not going to do a good job for you because they don't have the same skin in the game as you do. So I think it's definitely one of the top three um, management perfecting it is an ongoing journey. And I don't know if anybody has it down packed, um, you know, to where they're just the best or the goat and the greatest that ever did it. I think it's an ongoing journey. And I think it's different with every person that you have on your team. And you have to somehow kind of be a chameleon or you have to be able to adjust and adapt based on people's needs because there's not a one size fits all approach, which I think is why it's one of the most difficult things to master or at least be great at, because you have to be a shapeshifter and you have to be able, not in a negative way. I'm not saying that you have to be a liar or anything. I'm just saying you have to be able to change your approach, but still maintain integrity of what you're trying to accomplish based off of people's individual needs and wants. 
And if you can master that, or if you can get great at it, you will be so damn successful because in anything you do, whether it's pool service, whether it's retail, whether it's um, wholesale, whether it's manufacturing, it doesn't matter. And you know why? Because in all those jobs and in 99% of all the jobs out there have one thing in common, right? And what is that? People. And people are simple, but yet they're so damn complicated. If you're able to understand them and you're able to at least make them feel that you appreciate them or that you're genuinely, you genuinely care about who they are and what their goals are, what they need to accomplish. If you can do that, then you will be rewarded massively because the way I look at it, you have to, when you have an employee that works for you, you need to, you have your plan, you have your financials, like we talked about, you have your goals and you have your business plan to get to those goals. You cannot expect your employees a tool, right? And a very important tool to help you accomplish those goals. But those goals are not your employees' goals. That is not what makes them tick. That's not why they wake up in the morning to come work for you. You need to be able to now have a sub plan or a sub, a sub business almost and understand who they are and what their plans are and what their goals are and how your business and your goals and what you're trying to do can help them obtain their goals and what they're trying to do in life. And whether that means just be able to pay for college tuition so they can get through school and have a steady job or, or because they love to work outside or whatever it is that their whatever their goal is, or they want to move, hopefully they want to move up with your company and grow and be successful so they can be a part of the dream that you want to realize. You have to be able to look at your people and you need to understand what they want. And when you put them first and you understand it, they will reward you tenfold. So it's a journey and it's a long journey and it's a rough journey. It is difficult. But once you get it and once you understand that, and then once you look at it that way, I promise you, you will have huge success or much more success when it comes down to finding quality employees and most importantly, retaining them and keeping them there and motivating them so they continue to, to do great for you. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. Yeah, you know, I think one of the beauties is we always kind of think, hey, we're going to be, you know, our own business owners and woohoo, and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then we kind of never kind of stop and think about, oh, my God, I got to learn how to, you know, do sales. I have to learn how to do management. I have to learn how to interview people and what are the right ways to interview people or the wrong ways. And I got to learn, you know, the financial side. And I got to. And so we all kind of think, ah, oh, we're going to be intra- entrepreneurs and that's going to be great. And there's just such a learning curve that even for everybody that's listening is, you know, did you think, hey, I'm going to jump on this podcast, talk, talk all this water chemistry. And then we start breaking down all the things for why small businesses fail. And we can go on and on. I mean, we just have so many different things that we have to learn to be successful in business. Let's talk about number four. Let's talk about the lack of setting up processes to help your business flow more efficiently. And, you know, we try to be, I think for the most part, people try to be that we can do it all kind of guys or girls out there. And there's, you know, there's a lot of us guilty of that. But along the way, we don't set up processes that that are going to help us 
be a lot more efficient and a lot more profitable. And when situations come up, we already have a process in place of how we're going to deal with it. We don't have to go through that bumpy road. If we did have certain processes in place, it would be a lot easier to go, okay, this happened. This is how I'm going to handle it. And I can sit here and tell you a couple things that you're not doing that you should be doing. And one of the ones that I'm going to start with that is going to hurt your pocket and you're going to see what it is that I'm saying is, you know, you don't set up processes to handle customers that are late paying customers. And you don't have a standard way of how you're going to handle every single customer or a process on how you're going to be able to handle those customers. So you're going to have some of those customers that pay you pay late and then that hurts your cash flow, right? So it's hurting your pocket. And you get and you deal with those customers and they haven't paid you for three or four months. And now you're spending time chasing the customer to pay you. And then you stop service out of frustration. And then they end up never paying you. Because you didn't have a process in place, it takes you to that frustration place. It takes you to that ugly place. And if you have a process on how to handle this, and handle these customers, you're now not going to be out, out of money. And you might think, oh, it's just time that I lost, right? Because John talks about it all the time. It's we, we kind of in this industry just think, oh, it's all time. It's all time. And if I lose something, it's no big deal because it's time. But that's not the way that you need to think about it. You need to think about y- your money that you lost because of that situation. So if you to put a process in place, that you follow for every single customer, 100% of your customers, you're not going to have this problem and you're not going to lose money. So a simple process is that you assess late fees. And I know a lot of you guys are afraid to assess late fees, but you have to train and educate your customers and get what a late fee will defer them from wanting to not pay on time. Or you send a late payment reminder after 30 days, right? You have a certain set date that you're going to send that late letter. And it doesn't matter if it's a good customer or a bad customer. Here's my process. Here's my standard. Here is go. And I'm going to stop service, you know, 45 past the 45 days past due or 30 days past due, whatever it is that you pick. And if you follow that process with every customer, it's going to make that part of your business flow a lot better. And you won't be out two or three months of service and you won't be frustrated. And you're going to be able to spend that valuable time, you know, dealing with other things that have more priority. So, you know, I could probably, Zach, John, could probably go on about a thousand different processes. But, you know, Zach, you that have a bigger company, what are some of the processes that you've put in place to help your business run a little bit more efficiently? I'm going to list a few processes that we have here. One would be our attendance process and how we handle tardiness and, uh, you know, missed days. And one thing very, very simple is that we have a start time at 7 a.m. And you can clock in up to five minutes early or five minutes late. But if you're six minutes late, you're going to get a, a half a point on the attendance policy. And it sounds so crazy, but you have to have something as simple as this in place or you'll be running around trying to track people down, see where they're at. Why aren't they here? They're not answering their phone. It gets really, really chaotic. So that's just a very you know, small snapshot of one of the policies. Another one would be loading of our trucks in the morning. There is an entire process on this that's the same every day in order to make sure that we're achieving consistent loads, 
to make sure that we're able to have consistent meeting times in the morning and to get everyone on the road around the same time every day. And then you were talking about billing. When it comes to billing, we require a card on file and we bill prior to starting maintenance. So we bill at the beginning of the month. So if we get to the first of the month and we can't process payment, we will generally do one to two services and then suspend service. And that's typically on people that we know have been with us for a while. Um, and we know that maybe it's just something like their card number changed or something along those lines. So we have a process for all of those things. And those are just three examples. And if you know me, I try to turn everything into a process so much so that it's probably a fault of mine because you can't, you can't get so in the weeds with processes. But my goal is to create consistent, quality, and repeatable results that can be scaled. And th those are all great points, Zach, with regards to just a simple process of loading the trucks. And for those of you that have guys, you know, think about how chaotic that kind of gets in the morning, right? And if you don't have just a simple process to make that easy and flow, how much a headache could that could be? So now you're dealing with the loading of the trucks in the morning. There's no set time. So guys show up whenever. And then now you have paying customers that aren't paying on time. Look at how your business, because you don't have those processes in place, your business is not going to flow smooth. And that's why I think, Zach, a lot of the frustration comes in, because if you're not putting those processes in place, you never gain control of your business. Like John says, right? Your business is running you. You're not running your business. And can I, so, I want to, Zach, did you have something well, you want to say? say? I want to bring that full circle because those processes then have to be managed. So tying back into that management piece or they won't work. So, so I just wanted to put that in there. You guys are hitting it right on the head. Processes and what's really important. And so if you're a one polar, it's very critical that you have it so that you know what you're doing and you have consistency. When you have employees and a bigger operation like Zach does and Edgar, when you had your business, right, and you had your employees and your 250 pulls, What's so important is it, the process is one thing, right? And those things change. I look at it as kind of like, look, it's the same thing as a goal and a business plan or a plan to get to the goal. You have a process that leads you to whatever you're trying to accomplish. But these are just more task oriented to kind of help kind of get you to where it's at. And Zach, even though you're saying, you know, five minutes early, five minutes late, but if you're there at six minutes, you get a half a point on your attendance. You have to do it. You know, it's, you need consistency, especially when you have employees. You need to have, you need to be able to draw that line. But most importantly, you have to be able to, to drop that hammer when people cross that line. Because if you don't and you don't have those processes in place and those guidelines in place or those tolerances in place, then that's when shit goes out the window. You create an unstable environment where now the question is is favoritism. So why do you treat one employee one way and you don't treat me this way, you know, or I'm not going to say anything because I'm afraid of this or you allow you allow things to dictate how you how you manage your like feelings or emotions to manage your business, which is the worst thing you can possibly do. So as far as um as what Zach said and what you're saying Edgar, I think you guys are just like 100% on point when it comes down to it, you have to absolutely 
have those processes in place, no matter what it is. And, you know, it can be something really simple. Now for us, I'll key on one of the things that we do, and I think has been very successful for me as we've grown. And I'm happy to see that I've talked about this for many, 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 many years. And it's good to see that there's a lot of guys and girls out there that are using the same, using my, my roadmap or my plan when it comes down to the top 10, bottom 10. It's not important for us to have a lot of customers. It's important for us to have the right customer. And in order for us to achieve that, we have processes in place and checklists in place so that when we acquire an account or take on account, they need to meet certain expectations. And some of those expectations are, you know, and first and foremost is financially, you know, is it enough money? Can we make enough money off this account? And then two, you know, when it comes down to like the time that, and that goes hand in hand with money, because if you can get an account for $400 a month, but that account takes you an hour every visit, and you can get an account for $200 a month, but that account only takes you 20 minutes a visit. I'd rather have the $200 account at 20 minutes a visit than a $400 account at an hour per visit. And there's metrics that we come in, that we put into play um, that determine whether or not our clients that we currently have are in our top 10 clients and our bottom 10. And when we, acquire new clients or when we go out and we do uh, estimates, we try to mirror those clients and put them where they fall on that list and whether or not it's it's a good fit for us. And that's just one of them. And we've kind of gone into detail with it before, but just an example of, of a process that we put into place that has been extremely successful for us because it helps alleviate almost 80% of all our issues because it covers stress you know the counts that are great are less stressful the counts that are crap are high stress when you have too many accounts because you're not making enough money on those accounts they include stress right and you, you get into that point where you're just going crazy so by having this process or having this list it's helped alleviate the majority of the issues that we've had as a business well, that's great and you have to have all those things into play to you know, make your operation a lot smoother. And it doesn't matter if you're a, a one pole or you are a company that has a whole bunch of guys, you have to have those processes and you follow them. And then it just makes your operation so much smoother. And I'm going to come back to the same thing. Guys, grab a notebook and write them down and create that procedure even if it's for you and you have that notebook, because at, at one point you might be in the spot where Zach is always talking about, think about what you want to become. And so if you already have that, you've already worked on it, you already have that in that notebook. When you make that transition, you're going to be like, oh, I have those and I have those procedures. And then I'm going to come back to the same thing. You guys are business owners. You just happen to be in the pool business. So you have to stop thinking of your business as, oh, I just need to clean pools and just do repairs and that's it. No, you're a business owner. It just happens to be that you do pools for a living and that's the part of your business. So you have to put all these things in play. You have to do all these things if you want to be a lot more successful. 
So, Zach, John, let's take a word from our sponsors. And when we come back, I want to get from you guys your final thoughts. And then I want to see if you guys have your four in the same order or if we kind of change or if you think that the order of those four need to change. We'll talk about that when we come back. The Hyperpole from Ultimate Pool Tools is a pool care pole designed by pool professionals for pool professionals, featuring precision-crafted carbon fiber and stainless steel construction. Go to ultimatepooltools.com or Instagram at ultimatepooltools. Pool pros have specific needs when it comes to general liability insurance. The SPPA program has you covered. With three tailored and customizable general liability options, SPPA makes it easy for pool pros to feel secure. Find out more and get covered at the SPPA.com. Did you know that one of the main reasons why small businesses fail is because owners are less in tune with how much revenue is generated by sales of product or services and the cost to provide this product or service. This leads to money shortfalls that can quickly put a small business out of operation. Do you know the actual cost of the pool service you provide or the financial health of your pool business? If you don't, it can put you out of business. Pool Nation has created a business training that focuses on the financial side of your business. It is the only course that as you enter your data into our exclusive software, it will tell you how much money you are making or losing. It's that simple. By the time you are done with the training, you will know your exact cost to service a pool, fixed cost of cleaning, your average profit per pool, your average monthly rate, repair profits and profit percentage, and how much money you are actually making. During the training utilizing our software, you will create your business profit and loss. Once you create your P&L, we will cover the fundamentals of the P&L and how important it is to the success of your business. For more information and the next training dates, visit www.poolnation.online. It's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you get to keep. For more training dates, go to www.poolnation.online. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about some of the reasons small businesses fail. We've kind of done a little bit of a deep dive and I'm really kind of enjoying this one. Zach, John, the only thing that I'm kind of find funny is nobody's kind of made fun of us today on the Insta chat. Everybody, just because the podcast has gone in this business focus side, nobody's kind of been over here making fun of us. I'm, I think I'm kind of missing that from the Insta chat. So guys, we still have John and Zach's final thoughts. So if you kind of want to at least make fun of one of us so that it feels complete, then you know, please go ahead and type in there. And there you go. And by the way, Joel just jumped in here and said, you want us to make fun? Sure. And Joel, by the way, I just I saw your post on your Instagram page with the pool man tan lines and everybody get ready because those are coming and they're coming quick. Zach, John, let's get your final thoughts and then tell me if you guys agree on the on the order that we have for these four. So, Zach, I'll start with you. Yeah, so we talked a lot about a lot of good things today, and these are things that are going to require you to take time outside of your daily routine to sit down and figure out. You know, for me, a lot of my drive to figure these things out, these processes or how to manage people or, or, you know, growth, things like that, it comes from planning an exit from the company. 
And this is something we don't ever talk about, but it's a reality. We will all exit our companies at some point. Even if we ride it all the way to the very, very end, there will still be an exit from your business. So the question that I have for everyone listening is, what does your exit look like? Is it to have a family succession? Is it to make a good living and sell for your retirement? Is it to IPO and become a publicly traded company? To ride it till the wheels fall off? To franchise? I mean, there's so many different options or so many different variations of these things that you consider. And so for me, I know that I want to create a literal machine. And I think it was Eugene that used that term. But I want to create a company that successfully runs without me because that's when it will be most valuable. And all of my sacrifices of my time to my family, my friendships, my health, all of those sacrifices that I've made over the years to grow this company are super valuable to me. And, and, and they're not you know, overlooked. And I want to make sure that it's not all for nothing. And I'm able to get that back in some form whenever my time to exit comes. And the reason I'm saying this is because all of these things that we're talking about, a plan, a vision, processes, those are all of the things that are going to make your machine and put value to your machine. And so like Edgar keeps saying, I encourage everyone, write it down in a notebook, think about it, put some time in it, because it is so super important to be looking at these things. And as far as the order, Edgar, for me, they're all important. I think for me, uh, they are all unique. They all have their purpose. So it's really hard to place a certain priority on them. I will say business finances, I think, is number one. As far as the others, it's, it's a really close call for me. Great words, Zach. Great. John. I was just thinking of Zach when he was talking about end game and exit strategy. And I'm thinking of the meme I sent you, Zach, I think well, a couple of days ago on the beach, right? Sheba to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's the immediate. We're waiting for that one. Right. That's my exit strategy right there. <laughs> oh, what a beauty. People are going to be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? Right. Sheba to the moon. No. <laughs> Look, John has oh. t- John has told me that his exit strategy is to ghost at me and Zach at the end, right. just be like gone, right? Just be like gone, like Change you can't number. find him. Nobody's heard about him. Nobody knows. You called the distributor. We haven't seen him in weeks, you know. He's and gone. just he's he's ghosting us on some island over there and some yacht, just kind of chilling. Yeah. So, um, as far as egg, uh, uh, not exit strategy, but as far as the processes and the order, I agree with Zach. I really don't think it's quite as important to label them as one, two, three, four, five. I agree that they're all very important, but what I think is most important to say important one more time, because it's important, important. (laughs) (laughs) Is it important, John? I think it's important. I think it's very important. So are you following me here? It's I'm following you. I gotcha. It's important. (laughs) I believe that was actually pretty smooth, wasn't it? It was. I it did was that right on the fly, right there. So I'm actually pretty impressed with myself. Uh, look at that! But it I rolled off it. the tongue. It rolled off the tongue really well, I think, because uh, I thought it was important. Oh my god, this is perfect here. Care Bear with the exit strategy. There right. it is, people. Ta-da! This podcast feels complete. <laughs> so I'm a firm believer in um in strength based coaching, right? Or strength 
based um, management training. And what I mean by that is these things that we talk about here in the 10 that we're going to go over, not everybody's going to be great at it. And the majority of us aren't going to be very good at it. And it doesn't mean that we can't learn to be good at it, but there's some things that are just a turnoff for people. And I'll give some examples here. When you coach somebody or part of like management or part of getting the most potential out of somebody is the natural selection or the natural way of doing it. Normally what people automatically think is, okay, this guy or this gal isn't good at this and that. So we need to help them with that so they get better at it. Uh, so they're great at it. I challenge everybody. That is the wrong way of going about it. There's a reason why somebody sucks at something and it's not always necessarily because of talent or lack of skill, but it's lack of desire. And that person that might suck at something is great at something else. And it is our job as managers, as people, as human beings. And this goes into play in life, not just in your business, but with your family, with your wife, with your husband, with your spouse, your significant other, with your whatever, with your children, with your pets, is find what motivates them and what drives them. Find what's good, what they're good at, and then build up on that. Help them become better at what they already love to do or what they're already good at. And you will find that they will produce and they will be that much better and they will love what they do. What I'm getting at is on these processes. So you look at the number one, the number one thing I hear from a lot of guys and girls when they talk about this is the financials, the numbers or about, you know, coming up with processes or, or, or whatever is that they hate that or they hate billing, right? How many times do you hear it? Somebody that hates billing or they hate doing this or they hate doing that. Well, you know, instead of as an owner, you have to get that stuff done. But think about this. There's actually people out there that love to do billing, right? And they're accountants, right? Or there's actually people out there that love to do this that you hate to do or come up with business plans or write this or, or understand the financials. I urge that if you're in a position where you can do it, and even if it might cost you a little bit of money now, but it will pay dividends in the long run, if you can do it, find people that are great at what you suck at. Whether it's whether it's billing or financials or maybe management or HR or if you don't like to service pools but you love to do repairs or you love to do repairs and you hate to service pools or you love to service pools and love to do repairs but you hate talking to customers or you hate picking up the phone and talking whatever it is find somebody who's great or who enjoys to do the things that you don't enjoy doing about your business. And if you can find those people, you will build that machine that Zach is talking about. You will build a machine that is unstoppable. You will love what you do because now when you go to work, you're going to enjoy every friggin' second of it because you're doing what you love to do and the things that you hate to do Someone else who loves to do them is doing them for you and you're happy as hell to pay them to do it for you and everybody's happy. That's how you build something to last. That's how you do it. So my final thoughts is this. Flip the script. Go against what you, you normally would think or what other people might have told you before in the past and 
focus on your strengths, understand and respect your weaknesses, but find people or find things or other ways to fill that void so that you, it doesn't bring you down. And I'll leave it at that. And then if I can drop the mic, I'm going to drop the mic. There it is. You know, John, it, it's so that, funny that write you, that write that uh, shit down uh, in a notepad. It's, it's, it's funny that you write say that, that shit down in your notepad. <laughs> It's funny that you say that because you and I haven't talked about this, but I had a mentor once that told me, if you want to be successful, you, you have to do exactly what you just said. You have to write down the things that you're weak at and hire people that are good at those things. And so I'm going to leave it at that because you just finished this podcast with the perfect thing to tell everybody out there that's running a business. So we're going to leave it at that, guys. Great podcast. Zach, John, as usual, I want to thank you for your time. For everybody that is out there listening and is with our InstaChat, thanks so much for following us every week. We will talk next week. Zach, Shoot John. it to the moon. <laughs> Have a Shoot great one, guys. Thanks for listening to the Pool Nation podcast, a member of the Pool Nation family. You can listen to us live every Friday here at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central, and 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. You can find us at Pool Nation or PoolNationPodcast.com, on Facebook, or on Instagram at Pool.Nation. And to find more info about Pool Invoice, the billing software built specifically for the pool industry, go to PoolInvoice.com. Before you go, this is what the pool industry has been waiting for. PoolManUniversity.com. It's the first platform dedicated to learning the swimming pool service and repair industry. A pool service community where you can connect and find videos on business, service, water chemistry, and repairs. See you there at PoolManUniversity.com. Pool Nation, all rights reserved. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in a verbal or nonverbal way, may not be distributed. It may not be distributed in any social media platforms or transmitted in any other forms or any other means, including recording or other electronic or mechanical methods without the prior written permission of Pool Nation.